Hello, and welcome to Genesee Valley Church's online podcast. At GVC, our mission is simple. It's to love God, love people, and love life. This year, we want to reach further into the glory and the presence of our God and experience Him like we never have before. This year is going to be different. Can you feel it? I know you will be blessed by the message and the word that God has for you today. Here we go. Well, welcome to our series of our summer uh, series, if you will. Last week, if you were here, I said to you, I said, you know, we're going to uh, turn this series that we've been doing into our summer uh, message because, again, there's just so many rabbit trails that you can go, and there's just so many things that as we start to teach along these lines, it's like, wow, we, we need to address that as well. So this is going to be our summer series called Churchy Words. How many of you know that there are churchy and then if you recall the bi- uh, or that second song, rather, uh, in the first part of that song, it says, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. And then it's saying it with the intent of God, we want to see you here. We welcome you here, and therefore we're expecting you to make an appearance. And then the last part of that song was, show me your glory or your presence or your goodness. Show it to me because I want to see it. Now, if that is truly a revelation or we truly have an understanding of God's presence, of God's glory, and of our freedom in Him, it ought to do something to you. It ought to make you move. It ought to put a smile on your face at the very least. It ought to move you internally. And you say, internally what? In your spirit, man, it ought to provoke you in a way that says, God, I just long to know you. I've shared this with you before. You know, I grew up in uh, a church background where, you know, as a kid, I saw the older people of the church kind of dancing around in the church. And I always thought, what weirdos? (laughs) I can't, oh my goodness. I mean, look, look like chickens. I'm like, oh, what, what are you doing? And, 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 you know, and it just became part of the norm. And then obviously you're, you're, somebody tells you what they're doing. They're just expressing their praise before the Lord. And so for the longest time, I thought, well, you know, that's just what the big people do. That's what grown-ups do. That's how they do it. But, you know, as a kid, I'm just going to sit here and I'm just going to be a spectator. Well, when I went to Bible college, uh, it was back in 1995, Uh, There was the church that was on the campus of the Bible College, and at that time they were around maybe 6,000, 7,000 people. And so this first Sunday that I had ever went to the church, it was so packed out I had to set up in the balcony. And so I am like in the nosebleed section, and this place is so big, I mean, you could put a football field inside of the auditorium. It's just a ginormous church. And so there was this gentleman on the front row, and his name was Bernie, and Pastor Hagen called Bernie up and says, Hey, Bernie, he says, I want you to come up and I want you to share your, 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 your story. And so he begins to share his story about his wife. And he said, You know, the doctors have said that my wife is terminally ill with cancer and she's going to die. And he said, and so I just began to, he said, and actually before that, he said, we knew that she was sick, but then the devil kept coming and saying to me, you're going to lose your wife. She's going to die. And he said, I would just laugh at the devil. I said, nope, not, not today, Mr. Devil, because we know Jesus the healer. 
And then they got the prognosis of the stage four cancer. And so the devil come sitting on his shoulder and said to him, now what are you going to do? The doctor says it's stage four. She's getting progressively worse. What are you going to do? And he said, well, I'm just going to believe God like he's, he's, he's true and that his word is true. And then before too long, they got the word that she was totally healed. All the cancer was gone. And so he said, man, he started to get happy and laughing and like, ha ha, take that, Mr. Devil. And so then after that, he said, then they got the medical bills. And then the devil started talking to him again. He said, now what are you going to do? Oh, well, you know, she did get healed, but now you're in financial ruin. What are you going to do? And he said, well, the insurance took care of such and such. He said, but we had around uh, uh, like 20-some thousand dollars still left. And, you know, that seemed like a big amount of money. And so he said, I just started to laugh at the devil. Say, ha, ha, the God that healed my wife is going to be the God that takes care of my financial bills. And as he's telling the story, the presence of God gets on him and he falls flat on the floor just out in the spirit. And if you've ever been around churches like that, I mean, he's just overcome by the spirit of God laid out on the floor. And as he's laid out on the floor, one single person comes running down the aisle full blast and throws money on the platform. And then after he throws the money on the platform, it seemed like the whole church goes, whoa, and just started running down towards the platform, throwing money on the platform. There was so much money that you could not see Bernie underneath of the money. Now here's my point. Or the point of saying that, I never saw anything like that before, but in a moment's time, I saw a miracle and I saw a financial provision taken care of in a matter of seconds. And it so overwhelmed me and overcome me, I started dancing in my seat. Just, just, I mean, I started acting like a fool. And the person next to me, there was this man sitting there, and I don't know if he'd ever been to that kind of church before, but his little girl was sitting right next to me, and he had his daughter just covering her up like he was trying to protect her or something. But I'm telling you, I acted like a wild man on the upper deck of the church because I saw God perform a miracle. And here's my point. When God becomes real, it cannot help but move you. Because God is real and He will show up. It is not just a religious thing. God, we just thank You for Your grace. We thank You for Your glory. Oh, Holy Spirit, You're so wonderful. No! He's a real person that can be experienced. If I come over to you and I extend my hand, what are you going to do? You're going to extend my hand and grab it. There's a tangible touch. And if I by faith say, God, show me your glory, there is a tangible exchange that God will visit me if I'll allow Him. And so I'm letting you know that, praise the Lord, God is showing up. He'll visit you in your home. He'll visit you in your car. He'll visit you at your workplace. He'll visit you at nighttime. He'll visit you at church. Come on. Are you ready to have an encounter with God? Because this is not just a religious thing. This is a tangible relationship with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And so, if you'll just come and mix a little bit of faith with your praise, with your worship, you'll experience God. Amen. And your life will be changed. Praise God. Well, how many of you know, just in all that, what I talked about was just some churchy words, right? And so, we're going to move on and we're going to 
deal with this week's subject of churchy words. Well, with that being said, churchy words, saying glory to God, hallelujah. How many of you know that's just not normal conversation for everybody in the normal world? Those are words that you hear in church, right? So that means that you have to learn a vocabulary. And words that you might hear in the church setting, if you're not accustomed to church, might seem religious. But there is not the intent to be religious in using a certain Christian vocabulary. There is significance. And the more you hang around the people of God and the the church and get connected and grow in your faith, you'll find that your vocabulary begins to change. You know, when it comes to this vocabulary or vocabulary in itself, how many of you know that living in the United States of America, there's a vocabulary? In fact, how many of you know how to talk? What's your, what's your language that you speak? English. You speak English in America, right? Somebody had to teach you how to use the vocabulary of English. But how many of you know that just because it's English don't mean it always sounds the same? I mean, how you sound and how you use English words or vocabulary in the North might be a little bit different than how you use the English language or vocabulary in the South, right? I mean, my wife is from Oklahoma. Yeah, you did. My wife is from Oklahoma. And most people think that I'm from the South when they meet me, but actually I talk more Southern than her. But every once in a while, her Southernness comes out. Now, for instance, just to kind of give you an example, if you were to say to me, hey, do you think you would want to go fishing? You know, Randy, he's going to ask me today before he leaves. He, he's going to say, hey, do you think we can go fishing tomorrow? And I might say to him, I think we can. But now if he was to ask my wife, this is how she would answer it coming from the South. She would say, well, I might can. Might can? Who uses those words together like that? I might can. But that's how she, that's how she talks. And did you notice the word Can. You know, it's a one-syllable word. But, you know, if you come from the South, you can turn one-syllable words into two-syllable words. I can. Or I might can. <laughs> you get what I'm saying? So, once again, vocabulary is a learned thing. You're tracking. You know, even just like my son, uh, my neighbors, they just moved uh, bought a new house and moved over in Flushing, probably moved by you all. But uh, uh, they, they, uh, they were wonderful neighbors, man. We were so heartbroken that they left. I mean, they were just good people, good neighbors. I mean, they'd help us out. We'd help them out. And their kids were young, and so our kids would play with their kids. And the boy was two years younger than my son. And uh, every once in a while, my, my son would say to me, he would say, hey, Dad... He said, uh, you know, the neighbor boy, you know, got mad. And he had a tendency to kind of get mad at different times. And he says, you know, and he, he uses these words when he gets mad. And so now he's asking me the question. 
Well, so as a dad, I got to help use it as a teaching moment. And so I just began to help them understand. Well, you know, kids just pick up what they hear. Now, you might use the argument and say, well, you know, kids are at school, and so they just naturally pick up some things. Uh, you know, but this little boy, you know, maybe kindergarten, first grade, that, that's about how old he was. You know, and, and so my children have never come home talking like that just because they were exposed to kids at school talking that way. And so that would just lead you to believe that, you know, that in regards to the son using certain vocabulary or certain words, it was learned by mentors, right? And so I just kind of explained that. Well, then my son said to me, he said, well, Dad, he said, you know, they all go to church. How come they talk that way? And I said, well, you know, and so I just began to use it as a teaching moment, and I won't go any further than that because obviously you get the point. But just in that, there's a sermon in that all by itself that you just got for free, and I'll let you just kind of chew on that as you go home, all right? Praise the Lord. But are you getting the point? Vocabulary is learned. And so the word or the churchy word that we're going to be talking about today is the blood. If you've been around this church any length of time, you'll hear us reference the blood or the blood of Jesus or pleading the blood of Jesus or applying the blood. And if you're not from a church background, you would think, dear God, what in the world are they talking about? The blood, they're applying blood, they're pleading the blood. And so once again, without having any understanding, that can come across as being religious. But if you'll know or understand what the blood has done, if you'll understand how it is applicable to your life, you will find that there is great power in understanding and exercising your faith in the blood of Jesus. Now once again, just to kind of give you a natural illustration concerning the power that's available but maybe seems unseen. You know, in my office, I have a, a desk that has a cutout in the top of the desk. You know, back years ago, you'd have landlines that would fish up the wires and you'd have an actual physical phone on your desk. Nowadays, you don't have that so much. You know, you just have your cell phone or whatever. But because of that, I ran an extension cord up through my desk and there's this kind of an extension cord... Uh, thing right here on top of my desk that way i can plug in my phone plug in my pad plug in my 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 laptop and and so i have power accessible right there and so just a few weeks ago i it came home uh, or I, i'm sorry came from the house to the office and for whatever reason i had a pair of pliers in my my jacket or not a pliers uh tweezers uh and and i don't know if you're like me but you know there you there's good tweezers and there's bad tweezers and, and these were the good kind of tweezers that, man, if you had a splinter, I mean, they were sharp, they could grip, I mean, they were good tweezers, I mean, they were my tweezers, I had to protect them. Well, I somehow had them in my pocket, and I set them on my desk. Well, so my son comes into my office, and he's talking to me, and so I'm just working on the computer, and as my son's talking to me, all of a sudden I hear, PAM! And... The whole office went dead. No power. And I wasn't looking at my son, but immediately of hearing the pow, I saw this flash in my face, you know? And I looked up and I saw my son, and my son's eyeballs are like this big. 
and he's holding on to the tweezers. And I'm like, what did you do? And he's holding on to my tweezers, the ones that are my tweezers, and the ends of my tweezers are melted. And he's like, I don't know. Well, here's my point. In that power cord or in that electrical cord is power to light your world up, to change your life, to radically improve and prosper your life. But he was ignorant of the power that was in that cord. And so innocently, he's like, I wonder what this will do. <laughs> Puts the, the tweezers into the, the, the socket, you know? And so here's my point. So many Christians hear about the blood of Jesus and think it's religious when we talk about the blood, but they are ignorant to know the power that is available through the blood of Jesus. They fail to understand that it was the blood of Jesus that took them out of darkness and transferred them immediately into the light. It was the power that caused them to be on a one-way ticket to hell, but in the moment that, per that a person received Christ, that blood transferred them over into a place of righteousness. The power of the blood has the ability to reach into the deepest depths and there is no place that the blood does not reach or the power of it. But if we do not understand or if talking or the blood or the topic of the blood is just religious to us, we'll continue to go through the motions of doing church and being religious in our nature but never experiencing the power that's available through the blood of Jesus. So we're going to talk about the blood this morning and to find out what that does for us in our life. Instantly, the blood of Jesus, how many of you know, has the ability to erase the past? Oh, come on. If there was ever an eraser. Oh, come on, man. Do you remember that, you know, they came out, man, this probably goes back to some of your days, you know, where they had like the, the, the just... The block eraser, you know, you'd be writing and you had it separately and then, you, you know, you'd use the hand eraser to erase and then they made these little pointed things that you stuck on the end of your pencil and those were cool, man, you just... And then they came out with the erasable ink pen and oh, man, you talk about being cool, you can erase ink, man. And so again, there's this element of erasing something that is no longer what appeared to be permanent how many of you know that the greatest eraser is the blood of jesus and you might have thought that you had a permanent record to your account of how many wrongs you did of how bad you were of what your past has been or where you came from but the blood of jesus has the power to erase and eradicate the past and the evidence of it amen, amen. Now you might say, well, it might have the ability, but I still have the ability to remember. Oh, listen, my friend, I'm telling you, the blood of Jesus has the power to erase it from your memory. Because you realize that there might be some things that have happened in the past, but the past or the memory thereof can still haunt you. But the blood of Jesus can erase the haunting memories that ultimately ruin your life. There's power in the blood of Jesus. Now, for that matter, for you and I, 
God has created humanity to be people or created us to be faith people. And once again, all of us exercise faith and oftentimes we don't realize it. But we are faith people and God has created us to use people and we use faith all the time. Now, this past week, we took our kids, we went camping this past week and, you know, it's in the prime time of humid, muggy season and we were by the water and we thought, you know, we're going to go out there and we're going to have a fire and just enjoy family time around the fire. But there was these little things called mosquitoes that ruined the family bonding moments. I'm telling you, it was just a horrible... Man, everybody was itching and crying and complaining. And in the middle of the night, where's the calamine lotion? I mean, it was... Ah! Just go to sleep. But the next day, you know, there's this stuff that's called off. Mosquito spray. And you put this mosquito spray on, or you apply the mosquito spray. Now, there's something about this mosquito spray that when you apply it, automatically it changes your demeanor. Where last night, it was not fun being outside, but I applied something to my person, and upon applying that substance to my person, now I can go outside with confidence, knowing that that blood-sucking thing is not going to pester me any longer. Right? Now, how many of you have ever used mosquito spray? Now, how many of you have ever used the mosquito spray, and you sprayed it on you, and all the while you were fretting, boy, I hope this works, I hope this works, I hope this works, oh! No, you don't. You apply the mosquito spray, and instantly you have faith that what you have applied is going to repel that thing that is coming to attack you. Every single day of your life, you exercise faith and don't realize it. But listen, how many of you know that if you're going to exercise faith in the blood, you have to learn how to apply it? You have to learn how to apply the blood of Jesus to your life for it to have the effective work in your life. So how many of you are interested in finding out how we can do this? Amen. Well, in the Old Testament, the Bible tells us that they were very conscious and very aware of the blood of Jesus and what the blood, or excuse me, of the blood rather, or the power of the blood. And God set up a covenant with God's people and said that in order for your sins to be forgiven, and it's only for a quick fix, it only lasts for a certain length of time, but you'll have to apply blood or a sacrifice. And then you'll have to do it again. Because its power will run out. And then you'll have to apply it again. And see, in the Old Covenant, when they would go to church to remind them and to actually physically apply the blood, as they would go to church service, the priest would actually take the hyssop, dip it in the blood of the goat or the lamb that was sacrificed, and he would begin to sling it on the congregation. You come out of church, you looked amazing. But you know, when you saw your husband or your wife, when you saw your friend, your mother-in-law, your father-in-law, something was very apparent. Leaving church, you knew that the blood was applied. 
And therefore, because the blood was applied, you had every bit of confidence that what God said was going to take place in your life. Because the blood was applied. Well, in this life, God still wants us to apply the blood. He wants us to uh, uh, have faith in the blood. Why do we have faith in the blood? And why does God use blood to be the answer to what ails us? Because the Bible says that because of the sin or the fall of man, death entered the world. But he said the life of an individual is in the blood. Now what does that mean? Because you realize when they made sacrifice, they sacrificed the body. They burnt the body. But they also used the blood. Why was the blood significant? Because the body absent from the blood is dead. So the substance of the blood is the actual liquid life to the physical body. Does that make sense? Thus, that's the reason why Jesus had to come, not only give up his body, but to shed his blood, because in the blood is the life. And so therefore, when the blood is applied, life is being given. And so once again, we can begin to exercise our faith in the blood. Now let me just put a spin on this, if you will, because in order to live a life applying the blood of Jesus, it's going to cause you to have to live a supernatural life. Now once again, that's a churchy word, and we'll talk about that later on in this series. Oh, supernatural, you're one of those churches. Supernatural simply means just to live naturally with God super on it as God intended it. But now let me put a spin on it. If you have gone out into the deep woods and the mosquitoes are tearing you up, how much life are you enjoying at the moment? You are living natural life, but the moment you put the deep woods off on your physical body, now you're living life super, but still naturally. Or in other words, it's super now. Because I applied something. Does that make sense? I was miserable just about five minutes ago. I mean, I'm like, oh, you know what I mean? I'm just, oh, I mean, they're just all over the place. I apply the mosquito spray. Ha, oh, that's super. Whew. Are you tracking? When you apply the blood of Jesus, you can begin to live a natural life that is super and superior because of the blood. But it takes faith. It takes faith to understand what the blood is and how to apply it, how, how we can uh, uh, have access to it. Now, once again, just to make reference to Scripture that we have looked at many times before, but concerning the children of Israel when they were enslaved to Egypt, how many of you remember the story where they were enslaved and God told Moses, go deliver or set my people free? And he continually went to Pharaoh and said, here's what God said. And Pharaoh says, I don't care what God said. I ain't letting the people go. And so therefore there was plagues after plagues after plagues. God's people went through all the plagues just like the Egyptians did. They just had the protection and the covering of God through it all and the grace. But it came to a point where God says, all right, I've had enough. 
And it's coming to the place where I said my people are going to be free. And now what's going to require or what's going to be required is life. But now concerning you, my children, the way that you're going to be protected and the thing that is going to radically change and turn the tables is the blood that I want you to apply to your door or to your windows. Do you remember that? And it says that all the firstborn of all Egypt, of all those that were there that did not have the blood covering their house, the firstborn died. And in that moment when the blood was applied to the house, instantly it changed everything. Instantly, when the blood was applied, you might say, well, listen, it was because Pharaoh's son died. It was because of the plague of death that hit them that Pharaoh finally let God's people go. No, it was the, the, the application of the blood that separated and distinguished God's people where Pharaoh finally says, I've got to get you out of my place because the blood was applied. So the moment that the blood was applied, instantly things began to change. Now you might say, well, I've applied the blood before, but I didn't see things instantly change. Oh, it's changing, you just may not be aware of it. But here's the other side of it. Do you recall that, you know, the Bible says when they left Egypt, they left with being delivered, no longer slaves. They were all healthy and whole. Everybody was instantly healed. No feeble among them. And the Bible says that they had the wealth and the provision of Egypt. I mean, you talk about a people that were set up. The moment that the blood was applied, they were in the best place of their life than they had ever been before. But it didn't take too long. They started getting down the road after being set free that they started grumbling and complaining. You remember the story? Well, why did they forget this, or why did they start to grumble and complain? Because they forgot the blood that was applied that set them free. And oftentimes, that's what happens to us as believers. We say, well, I believe in the blood of Jesus. I believe in God's healing power. I believe in God's provision. I believe in God's deliverance. And I applied the blood of Jesus to my life. But I still didn't see the answer come to pass. Or I saw this happen. Or so-and-so died. Or whatever the case might be. But I applied the blood. Now, Let me go back to the example of the mosquitoes. I said when it comes to mosquitoes, you can apply the bug spray, and you have faith in that bug spray. I've applied it. Right? You get in the picture? People in the church say, well, I've applied the blood of Jesus. But now... What if the mosquitoes, you said, you know what, the mosquitoes, man, they're just tearing me up. And I applied mosquito spray. And I think I've got faith in the mosquito spray. But if a dozen mosquitoes showed up and they were the size of elephants, how much faith would you have in the mosquito spray now? Are you getting a picture? Let me say it again. We can think, oh, these mosquitoes, there's just little things. Yeah, I can spray the mosquito spray on. I've got faith that it will repel them and I am protected. 
But if the reality was that mosquitoes were the size of elephants, and when you heard their winds, wings beating, it was like a freight train coming, and you're thinking, oh, and you see them coming off in the distance, man, the knees are shaking. Here comes the mosquitoes. How much faith would you have when you see a dozen mosquitoes the size of elephants barreling at you? You may not have as much faith in the mosquito spray. Why? Because you're now looking at the size of the mosquito and the possible outcome of the size of my adversity facing me or coming at me, and now my confidence in the mosquito spray is beginning to waver. Right? When we apply the blood, if we just apply it here and there or not really familiar with its power, oh, when life is good, oh, praise God for the blood of Jesus. Oh, but when hell comes knocking on the door and the adversary seems very big, now my faith in the blood can stand to waver or I can get weary. But now, what if I'm over here and I've applied the mosquito spray and those elephant-sized mosquitoes, they came up and all of a sudden, they stopped. Oh, I guess this stuff does work. So the next time you go out, you see the elephant-sized mosquitoes come and I apply the bug spray and you're like, <laughs> you start to mock them in the mosquitoes. Yeah, you can't come near me. I've applied the stuff. And they're looking at you. They're just scowling, growling, and they're just trying to get at you. But you've applied the stuff and they can't get to you because they can't break the barrier of that which you've applied. And once you've learned, it don't matter the size of the adversary, but once you've learned to have confidence in that which you've applied, it don't matter anymore. And when you learn how to apply the blood of Jesus in the small things, in the medium things, and in the large things, it doesn't matter how, how big or the size of the, uh, the adversary because I've learned how to have faith in the blood. Y'all doing okay? I'm running out of time here, but we're going to try to do our best to, to wrap it up here. Let me give you a couple points here in regards to applying the blood of Jesus. You have to apply the blood of Jesus, or I should say, the blood of Jesus has been credited to your account. How many of you have got a credit card? If you've got a credit card, there's a freedom in spite of having money in your pocket. <laughs> I can get that thing. <laughs> there's nothing, nothing stopping me because I've got credit in my pocket. Right? And you can actually get happy because you can pull your pockets out. You can look in your wallet and say, there is nothing green in there. I can't afford it, but I've got a credit card and there's been credit given to my account. And so, man, I... <laughs> right? Because, you know, that's always my fault. Exactly. See, that's what I'm talking about. You got to see me like Jesus. <laughs> All right. So, number one. There's no place that the blood can't reach. 
It destroys the power of Satan or the power that he has over you. You are no longer a slave. The moment that you ask Christ into your life, you are no longer a slave to sin. But you must learn how to apply the blood of Jesus. Number two, the blood will give you clarity of mind. I said the blood of Jesus will give you clarity of mind. Hebrews chapter 10, starting in verse 1. 1 through 3, again, we won't take the time to read it. But the Bible says that because of the blood, it has erased the consciousness of sin. Why do we struggle so much living this life of faith? Because we're constantly under condemnation of our sin nature. And the only reason that you're reminded of your sin nature is because the devil, the accuser of the brethren, continually comes and says, well, you know what you did. You know what you said you were going to do, and you said you were going to do that six times ago, but you still are saying it again, and you're still not doing what you said you would do. And so you feel like a failure. But the Bible says that the blood of Jesus has erased the sin consciousness from us. Therefore, we can continually have boldness to come to God. I said that I was camping this past week. Now, I'll just tell you, I fleshed out. I read my Bible a couple times. I prayed a little bit as I was walking around the neighborhood and through the trails. But I wasn't sitting there having a Bible study. I wasn't sitting there having great devotional times or praying lengths of time. But I could still come into church today saying, well, God... You know, last week we just had time with the family. But man, I can come into church. God, show me your glory. Oh, show me your glory. Why? Because it's not based on the merits of how pleased God is with me based on X, Y, and Z. The blood of Jesus gave me access to come in here this morning and say, God, show me your glory. Holy Spirit, come in this place. Reveal your presence. Why? Because of the blood. It will change the way that I think. Listen, how many of you know that people struggle with depression? They'll struggle with condemnation. They'll struggle with the thoughts because of their past or whatever it might be. But the blood of Jesus has the ability to set your mind free because whom the Son sets free is free indeed. So you're not trying to get free. You're not trying to get undepressed. You are free. The feeling of depression is just that. It's a feeling. But it doesn't mean that you are depressed. No, you are free in Jesus' name. And so therefore, I don't have to buy into the lie. Oh, dear God, I'm just so, I'm so depressed. And we all go through it. My point is this, is that you can begin to apply the blood. And the blood erases the consciousness. And why is it that people are depressed? The number one reason is failure or the thought of failure. And so, God don't see you like a failure. Applying the blood. You doing okay? Number three, there's nothing that the blood don't cover. It provides protection. It provides deliverance. It provides pardon, provision, and healing. It, if it don't work, it's because you're not working it or not applying it. You must apply it and learn how to apply it when it's necessary. Number four, the blood restores relationships. 
The Bible tells us, I believe it's over in Leviticus, it says concerning the blood in the tabernacle, God said, where the blood is, is our meeting place. I will meet you there. So in other words, the blood of Jesus has the power to restore relationships. It restored a relationship with you and God, but it has the power to re restore relationships in your life. Have you ever noticed, have you ever noticed that there are times where you have relationships in your life, whether it be marriages, friendships, where you can have fond affection and relationships with, with, with people, but there comes a point in time where you just make the choice based on your thoughts. I'm just done. Right? And you allow the emotions and the feelings to dictate what you're going to do. And those feelings just say, I'm done. Not doing it no more. I'm moving on. And because you've given place to the emotions or the feelings, there's the wall that comes up and you close the chapter on your life. But the blood of Jesus, if you want a marriage restored, if you want family relationships restored, if you want friendships restored, the blood of Jesus can begin, or the power of the blood can begin to restore relationships. You say, well, how does that work? You just simply apply the blood. God, in the name of Jesus, I apply the blood of Jesus and the power of its blood over my marriage, over my relationships, over my family, and I thank you that because the blood of Jesus is a restoring power, a reuniting power, I thank you that the blood is working in my relationships right now. Amen. You might say, it's been the longest time since I've had a relationship with my family. Then just apply the blood. Just apply the blood. You might say, but yeah, that's a big mosquito. Oh, listen, once you apply it, the mosquito has, no, has nothing left to say. Are you connecting the dots on the example? The blood of Jesus has the power to set you free and to restore relationships. And God says, I'll meet you there. God wants to get into the middle of your relationships. And more importantly, He wants to develop a relationship with you. When you understand that it was the blood of Jesus that first of all gave you the ability to know Him, it begins to set your course in a new direction. So, this morning, we're going to take a moment just to remember and partake of communion and put ourselves in remembrance. And so our children, they're going to come from the big kids class. They're going to come in and take communion with us. If you want your child to, to, to partake, that's entirely up to you as a parent. But we're going to have the children come in. They're going to be sitting with you. And so that way you have the opportunity to partake of communion together as a family. But in the meantime, as they're making their way, let's stand. Has anybody have need of a communion element? Can you pass me mine? Thank you, dear.
We have our individual cups. If you need a communion element, go ahead and raise your hand. Anybody need one? You need one? I got somebody up here in the front, please. Can we serve him? Thank you. We have one, two, two over here, I believe. Thank you. When it comes to the communion elements, Jesus gave instruction to do this. The Apostle Paul says, says, do this as often as you eat. Putting ourselves in remembrance. There is no mystical power to the elements of the communion. The Jews don't miraculously turn into the blood of Jesus, but it's symbolic. The bread represents the body that was broken. The juice represents the blood of Jesus that was shed. The power that is in the remembrance is it puts you in constant remembrance of what Jesus did so that you can apply the blood and your faith to your life. So we're going to partake as a family this morning, remembering and applying the blood of Jesus. Now, if we can, let's just separate these. I've told you before, you've got to grab the top little film to get your piece of bread and then open up the secondary thing. First time I did that, I messed it all up. Don't spill it on yourself. <laughs> comes with instructions. We didn't send it to you. <laughs> if you have your bread, why don't you just hold it up? Jesus said, the bread that you're partaking of represents my body. He said, I broke my body or allowed my body to be broken so yours don't have to be. Do we go through challenges? Do, do we go through hardships of life? Yes. That's just the cost of living in this earth in a sinful, broken world. But Jesus said, I allowed my body to be broken so that you don't have to be. And if you also remember, the Bible says that he allowed his body to be beaten. That by his stripes, we may be healed. If you have physical need of your body this morning, whether it be in your mind, your physical body, I just hear this, circulation in your body. If you're having problems with circulation, as we apply the blood, or excuse me, apply the broken body and partake, healing begins to take place. So by faith, you just reach out. Whatever you have need of, let's break and partake together. In Jesus' name. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for the body of Christ that was broken, that you did it for us. And Father, I thank you that right now, under the sound of my voice, online or in this room, I thank you that healing is being administered right now. Receive that healing power from the top of your head to the soles of your feet. In Jesus' name. 
restoration, freedom, in Jesus' name. Amen. Then he said, this is the cup of the new covenant. My blood that it was shed. You might be sitting here this morning thinking, I just feel so far away from God. Right now in this moment, when you recognize and apply the blood, restoration is immediate. You might feel like you are in the darkest place, in the deepest hole and pit, but I'm telling you, the blood of Jesus can reach you where you're at. Restoration, wholeness, in Jesus' name. Let's apply the blood and partake together in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you for the blood of Jesus. We do apply it right now. We do exercise our faith to receive the power that is in the blood of Jesus. We thank you, Father, that we are set free, delivered, provided for, healed. Oh, we thank you, Father, that this day forward sets a new precedence of stepping up higher. And therefore, God, we say, God, reveal your glory in our lives. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Well, that's it. Do you feel the glory? Do you feel the filling? I know you do. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast and come back next week for God to move on your behalf again. Want to know more? Check us out online and our social media, all from our website, gvchurch.tv. We are Genesee Valley Church, loving God, loving people, and loving life.